Hey everyone, welcome to a special tour edition of Weekend at Bergie's. This is episode 29. I'm on the road right now. I'm in Edmonton, Alberta, about to head to Vancouver, BC with one of my favorite MCs in Canada and just in general. Touch is here with me. We are heading to Vancouver Friday, September 28th. We're playing a show in case you hear this in time. And then we're off to Saskatoon. Then I'm going to be in Halifax then Montreal, uh, Toronto, London, a lot more dates coming up. Check wordburglar.com for all the tour dates. Tour is going amazing right now. Thanks to everyone who's been coming out for the shows. I know the audio right now sounds like I'm in a bit of a weird echo chamber. It's going to get better in just a second. We got a jam-packed episode, back-to-back, -back, double interviews, first with Touch. We're going to get into a whole bunch of rap and hip-hop and just talk with Touch about his process and, and where he's he's coming from. And then we're going to get into a great interview with my pal, Kieran McAvoy, who's got some hilarious comic book stories. So it's a double one-two punch of stuff I love, rap and comic books. I just want to give a quick content warning if there's any little ones listening while you're listening. There might be a bit of content in this episode that uh, may be a, a, a tad leaning towards uh, a 19 plus crowd <laughs> but uh, I just want to give you a heads up about that in case anyone uh, wanted uh, didn't want any surprises <laughs> I think that's all right all right we're just gonna hop right into this uh, great interviews with touch and Kieran McAvoy and keep it going rhyme your business is available now for those who don't know and the rental patient video is on YouTube so check them out, share with your friends, and I hope you enjoy them. All right, peace. I will see you uh, soon. All right, here we go. What's up? What's up? Welcome to episode 29 of Weekend at Bergie's, the podcast that just won't go away. <laughs> We're actually, I'm lying to you guys today because this isn't, uh, this isn't actually at Bergie's. I'm on the road. I'm on tour. I'm hanging with uh, two of the best, the best westerns I know. Yeah. <laughs> the best from the west. I'm here with Touch. What's up? Canadian hip hop rap it's legend, Touch. one of my favorite rappers, and we got my man Kieran. What's up, Kieran McAvoy, comic book genius? You got who's got a whole bunch of stories for us all. And yeah, we are recording remotely. We're in Edmonton, Alberta, coming to you live from the road. So far, the uh, the count for me, I've done uh, um, eight shows into the tour, maybe nine, plus three comic conventions. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> so it's been a busy couple weeks. That's why we haven't got an episode of the podcast out. So I'm glad, you know, Touch Graciously welcomed us over here to oh, hook yeah. it up. Anytime, man. Any anything for the Berg. Dude, this you setup's know. crazy. Oh, thanks. It's, uh, I like, I, I tell everybody it's like the ultimate bachelor pad. If you're like a hip hop dude, <laughs> yeah, the vinyl. First of all, all the gear. Walking in, just seeing. Okay, we've got a room full of like dope gear, keyboards, everything. The records on the wall. Saw that that Mad Skills record caught my eye first, but yeah. then you've got that that Delta Funky Homo Sapien, Mister Dabalina, twelve inch. Yeah, that was like, man, I basically, I had to call my mom from Vancouver. And ask her to send me some money because I wasn't going to leave Vancouver without that 12-inch at all. And it was expensive. And I was opening for Dell, like, the next day. So I was like, yo, I need you to wire me this much money because I just spent it on a Dell 12-inch that I need to get signed. <laughs> Mr. Dabalina, you know what I mean? Mr. Bob Dabalina. <laughs> I had a teacher, and, and I know some of my homies were listening who uh, – 
may remember, shout out Dr. Steve Angelidis. We had this teacher in grade eight, mm-hmm. and uh, and I remember I'd always say his name to the tune of Mr. Dabalina, <laughs> Dr. Angelidis, Dr. Steve Angelidis, Dr. Nice. For whatever reason, it just... <laughs> so whenever I hear Mr. Dabalina, I think of Dr. Steve Angelidis. I don't know oh. where he is now. But he was uh, he was cool cool science teacher. He was dropping science on Man. our heads. Man, yeah, we, we had a teacher like that. Her name was Mrs. Saldana, and uh, I actually saw her maybe I don't know about five years ago. So shout out Miss Saldana. And we used to be like Mrs. Saldana, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like every every day. I I can't believe she maintained her sanity because everyone Mrs. Saldana, oh. Like when Dirty Dana came out, it was over for Mrs. Seldana. That's amazing. <laughs> and that twelve inch, like I'd never seen that Dell twelve inch. I know the song mm-hmm. very well. I know the album, but mm-hmm. like the B side must be crazy. You're saying it's got some remixes on it. Yeah, I mean, if you know hieroglyphics twelve inches, you know that there's oh, remixes. Yeah. I mean, that particular album, I can't even remember what's on the B side. It's hanging up on my wall right now, but I know there's um, an extra song. There is, I know, I, I'm pretty sure there's a remix as well, a couple of remixes. I mean, it's a it's a hieroglyphics 12 inch, right? They're I mean, crazy, yeah. Like I've got, those. I like that. I got the Never No More 12 inch. Yeah, oh, there's that, that's a classic. That remix classic, is crazy, right? and I don't know if it's it must have been re released. Like they must have done some kind of hyro collection at some point with all these B sides. But yeah, the remixes most of the time were doper than the originals. Yeah, I mean they they uh, put value into their 12 inches right forget puffy man they invented yeah. the remix no nah, puffy invented the remix <laughs> yo i'll tell you this was my experience okay um you know that record store on 111th that you all just went to checked out so i told you a little earlier before the podcast here where those records came from so i remember going to that store and buying the flavor in your ear 12 inch I was like, yo, this is dope. So you buy the 12 inch, you get the flavor in your ear. And then there's a remix on the B on the B side and like another song um, that's not on the album, like a B side. And you're like, okay, so I got the flavor in your ear, 12 inch with the remix on the B side and maybe the instrumental and the extra song. I have it. And then Puffy releases the remix 12 inch with everybody on it yeah so now you got to buy the remix so you got the 12 inch with the remix but now you got to go now you got to buy the remix 12 inch of the original 12 inch and i had never had to do that in my life like that that song with everybody on it should have been on the original 12 inch as the exactly remix, right? that's your extra right? one yeah 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 no nah, puffy puffy was on some other you know he was like yo See, that's, I'm gonna make some money. <laughs> Twelve inches though, like even looking back, I think like the Busta, like Woo Ha, yep. like the the remix on that, like yep. just so many incredible records. Oh, Your man. tape game's crazy too. I mean, I was staring here. You got a lot of we got a lot of tapes, a lot of yeah. similarities, but there's some <laughs> stuff I don't have. The U Bad. Tape. <laughs> yeah. So I've got you. Yeah. I've got that legacy. Yep. The twelve inch, and I was trying to think. I saw the tape. I haven't thought of that song mm. in forever. I don't even know how I heard it. Like they must have had a video or something on Rap yeah, City or had, something. Had, I'm pretty sure. Um, I saw them on the Rap City like early, like early '90s or late '90s, mid '90s. That beat's so yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, there's that's just a little bit of my tape collection too. Like I got some of my hidden stuff and. And 
and some other stuff. But yeah, I I yeah. try to get all the the Canadian stuff at least, right? Oh yeah, well you got the you Supreme Being Unit tape, which yeah. is crazy. You got Cipher three sixty, which uh, yeah. that yeah that was that was a big video on Much Music for a yeah, while. Man. Remember that? Yeah. That actually I remember that having some okay beats on it. It was a good album. I like that album. I got that vinyl too. I like mean, some of these, I didn't even know. I didn't buy CDs back in the day, right? Like for the listeners at home, I'm just staring at this crazy. <laughs> like if I'm, <laughs> I'm just kind of in awe. I'm like, what? You got this? You got this? Rap Essentials too? Look at us going down the road. Yeah, we've t- been on the road. We just Terra Chase. We went back to Terra Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Terra Chase. Let's take it back, back to the road. So we've been we've been on tour. We just we played Calgary. They had a great yep. show. Shout out everybody in Calgary that came through. That was an amazing. Thanks for hooking it up at Broken City. That was a really really great yeah. night. Mad respect to Broken City and all the cats. Yo, Calgary has some dope DJs. Yeah, is what I experienced when I was there. Like, they still spinning the good stuff, you know? Yeah, when we walked in, we got our dinner, we just sat down, and that DJ started playing beats, and both of, like, Touch and I, for the listeners at home, we were, like, nodding our heads now. It's like, those beats were just, like, he played, like, there was a Roots Maneuver track, and then there yep. were three crazy beats I'd never heard before, and the guy was just like, yeah, man, I don't know if it was just, like, it sounded like 90s. It was, like, those 90s gems that you've yeah. never heard. Yeah, like, it was almost like, oh, is this those 12 inches that I never saw, that never came, yeah. that you could only get? In New York, but that's what the sound. I don't know what they were. Or it's gonna be something weird. Like it was, was like this was like a McGruff twelve inch yeah, B right. side <laughs> that nobody like, ever you know, bought. You know those drums? It's like, oh, where did this come <laughs> from? Um, and yeah, we were bumping some tunes on the road. We had uh, you got to listen to people always say, well, what are you listening to when you're driving around? We had uh, listen to that new Keith Murray. Oh yeah. What's the verdict on that one? Um, I'm a Keith Murray apologist. I will always always love Keith Murray. Even you're getting all apologetical. Yeah, because because <laughs> you know why? Because people may under people may remember the battle that was televised. What was it? Who was it? Cameron? Let the people know. I actually completely forgot the battle. Was it? Um, I see. That's that's how much I am a Keith Murray apologist. I don't even know who he battled, but I'm pretty sure it was like Cameron or something. And it was like four years ago, maybe three years ago, two years ago. It was recently. It was reminiscent of. The cannabis battle, uh, King of the Dot battle, <laughs> where it was like my favorite rapper is battling someone I don't even care about right now, <laughs> and getting his ass whooped. But the Keith Murray battle, I don't even care, man. Keith Murray has always been one of my favorite lyricists, so no matter what, if he puts something out, I'm gonna listen to it. And well, I'm gonna yeah, he's still got like there were a few. I would say like half that album is pretty dope. The other yeah. half is a little for, but. You know, it's kind of how it was back in the day. Like, even, like, most beautiful thing in the world. It's thing. like, that album's maybe, like, yeah. Albums were hit, the songs on the albums were always hit and miss. Yeah. But, you know, you can't always have hits, right? Yeah. And, I mean, I didn't really, I, I just was checking for his style, right? I was like, I don't care if he's doing a song that I don't really like. I'm not going to, like, judge him upon this one song, you know? It's like, I know, like, the most beautifulest thing in this world. Just like that. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. I'm trying to dig up this track <laughs> listing now because he started saying words that we were just like, ah, oh, he still got it. Like making up words, adding like, yeah. you know, it'll, it'll or something to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinkological. Like, yeah, there would be way more syllables in that word that's, than there's supposed to be. 
Um, yeah, la la la. That that beat was good. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a pretty good track. Laws of polarity. He's getting all polarity polaritical. Yeah, I mean polaritical. I th- I don't think we got to peep the most the whole album when we were um, driving back. Yeah, the Red Man Jam. Everything I heard was pretty dope. It was banging. We were listening to uh, Library Steps. Shout out Jesse right. Dangerously and Ambition. Listen, right. listeners, if you're listening and you still haven't checked out Library Steps, especially for like Canadian underground records that dropped this year, much like Touch's record, which we're going to talk about, Word. there's some stuff you guys like. 2018's been a crazy year for Canadian underground hip hop. Yeah. So, you know, yes, Jesse's my homie for sure. Ambition's my homie. That album is dope. Yeah, and I'm feeling the really different. Great, pro- like the cuts yeah. are sick. Like shout out Uncle yeah. Fess. Like yeah. this, the whole thing was good. I mean, it's a feel good. Like it made me feel good. Like yo, like people are still doing. Like they're still cutting, and not just cutting anything. They're like digging deep for their cuts, and the samples are all dope. The, the beats, Lord finesse with the ruffles yeah, cut. Yeah, you know, like come on, like anyone that digs to find their Lord finesse album to cut. I'm gonna give you props, man, because you probably took you maybe 20 minutes or so to find that album. <laughs> <laughs> well, like right now, if I'm like, "Yo, can you go back there and see if you can find uh, you got this Guru record? I need this one sample." I could probably know where they are. I, I could probably do it, but I mean, you never know. I got you know, I got mad crates here, you got right? crazy crates. We keep. We, I know we can talk about your crates all night, but I will. <laughs> that Easy E record you got to talk about from like '87. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, with Easy Does It on it. Um, the original Easy Does It. So this is before, like, the not the version that was on his album, like just the single. And um, on one side, his name is spelled E A Z Y, and on the other side is spelled E A S Y. On the same twelve inch. <laughs> and what, like, how did? Th- yeah, they just didn't know. They guess was like, well, it's a fifty-fifty chance. We yeah, got right? right. Like, yeah. I don't know how that happened. You know, oh, yeah, <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about. Like, those are the kind of records that um, I mean, I'm not I don't call myself a collector, but I would definitely like to play that. You know, I, I'm a record player. Yeah. You know, like that's the type of records that if you if I'm bringing my vinyl out, that's what I bring out. You know, I don't bring out, you know, I don't bring out your regular records, man. I bring out your B size. I bring out the stuff you probably never heard of. Stuff you're gonna ask me what it is? Yeah. yeah. What is it? Okay. Well, I'll tell you, but you won't be able to find it. Yeah, and I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you the backstory. Yeah. Bring out a record. Be like, yo, this is. I got this here, and cost me that much, and uh, I don't regret it at all. No. And see, that's the thing, though. You've got all this gold. You want to make sure that you share it too, right? You're not hoarding Absolutely. it to yourself. You're not pulling the Martin Screlly over here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you got this like crazy track nobody's heard, you're like, I want to play this for people. You know, oh, you, man. I know cats share. that are the opposite, though. Yeah, and that's true. I bring that up all the time. I'm not going to bring it up too hard right now, but there are people out there that get stuff to hoard it. There are people that do that with hip hop. That'll be like, yo. I got like this crazy track, and I'm not gonna tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> like that one record, every time you see it, you have to buy it. Yeah, so right. You can't leave it there. I'm like that with records, some comics too. Like if I see a comic in like a quarter bin somewhere that's like I know is super rare, and you never come across it, I'm like I gotta buy it. You gotta Just, buy it. I gotta buy. It. I can't let it sit there, yeah. and it's important. Who knows what's gonna happen to its future if it's left alone in some 
dirty quarter bin in the back of Edmonton Expo exactly. under a table. <laughs> like it, it was no meant one's for gonna you. find. Yeah, man. You know, it was, yeah, it was meant for you. If you recognize it, you gotta buy it, right? Yeah. It's like yo, you gotta continue the life of that comic book. Yeah, man. What would be like one record for you then, other than like the Easy E that like that Guru record's pretty rare. I've never seen that before. Yeah, the, the, Ill, Ill, the Kid. Ill Kid one. Yeah. Yep, that's pretty dope. I mean, I'm really happy to have been able to kind of like meet Guru and and meet uh, Primo and. Yeah, tell the people what's you know. so special about this record. Well, it's uh, it's really early Guru. So back when he was uh, Ill Kid, and it's still got you know a lot of the Gangstar Foundation on it. There's some early like um, Group Home, like before Group Home's album right. was out, like their first Nutcracker. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's some, you know, Big Suge and, you know, the whole, the whole nine, you know. Um, Lil Dap. And yeah. yeah. Um, Crumb Snatcher. Crumb Snatcher, yeah. You know, all yeah. them cats, right? And, uh, yeah, just to be able to uh, meet Guru, um, DGC, my old crew, we opened for them, opened for Guru. Um, Primo wasn't there, though. And uh, I just remember walking into Reds, which is now the rec room in the west ed okay and uh just seeing this was like, a record store or a bar no it's like uh it's basically the same thing as the rec room i'm pretty sure like an all-encompassing yeah, entertainment like, complex yeah you know like huge spot you know <laughs> yeah. got whatever whatever was there um but yeah so they would have concerts and uh so we got the opportunity to open for guru and i just remember walking in and seeing like my whole crew chilling kind of with, with guru and i walk up and he's like your touch and i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's just like y'all keep doing your thing man and i was just like man that shit that 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 made like my whole year that's crazy <laughs> you know what i mean and but he was you- real friendly you know you know gave me dap was you know got a good you know nice picture a crew picture with him and 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 all that so i love when people you look up to you know turn out to be how you want them to be you know nice yeah. dudes like peaceful dudes and and really into hip-hop right so yeah it was special getting it getting in his signature um on that record you know rest in peace guru Hun- yeah you man. Know? and that's what's crazy the record not only is it like a super rare record you've got the story and you got a signed by guru and you you got Primo on it, too. Yeah, try that with an MP3. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. That <laughs> right. is so true, man. Like, that 100%. What are kids going to be, you know, hunting down, you know, when they want Touch to sign, you know? Oh, like, I guess they could be like, yo, Lil Yachty liked my comment in <sighs> 2017. And they're just going to bring that up on their phone? Yeah, they'll like, screenshot Check this it. out, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Show their grandkids? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. So so that was your first rap group then? DGC? Was that your first group? DGC? No. no. Um, my first rap group was YBG, Young, Black, and Gifted. We were kids. I mean, I think I was like was maybe 17, 16 or something. Uh, my homie Fonzie, rest in peace, Fonzie, he was like, kind of a little mentor to me back in the day he was really like outgoing he was a dancer he was an actor you know he kind of brought me into the scene i guess like the like when you're an actor back there like he was a child actor right so he was used to like you know performing and doing shows and stuff so 
Um, I got introduced into like a lot of little dance crews and this and that back in the day. So we did like we did shows at like West Hamilton Mall. We did shows for like models and stuff like they would hire us for hair shows and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, my homie Marcus Garvey, who's he wasn't in Canada that long when I first met him. He was straight from Jamaica and like with the same attitude as you would have in Jamaica, but in Canada. Right. So he was kind of like gave us a little bit of flavor, you know, yeah, sure. to the group. <laughs> he had the reggae. Yeah. So that was like my first group. But yeah, I've, I've you know, kind of been in and out of a lot of groups. Um, DGC was kind of the most, I guess, the most known because at that time CDs were kind of just coming out so we could actually do a CD and put some CDs out. Yeah. And, and get our stuff distributed and then people would hear us did you release anything with ybg though no no ybg was just kind of a. it was you know it's my first rap you were friends you were doing yeah. your thing yeah yeah same you way know? man like my Straight yeah up. we didn't i mean we recorded a lot of stuff do you still have them you got them i'm oh, sure man. i know knowing you man you got the tape somewhere i you got them somewhere yeah i know i do i don't know where they are on some max um, or something but yeah yeah exactly chrome high like chrome. bias yeah <laughs> Not the metal, metal, metal bled, you know. Just yeah, yeah. Straight chrome. Yeah, I like the chrome, the gray, the yep. gray case. Yeah, the gray the ones, gray tape. Gray Maxells. <laughs> Those were the tight ones. Forget the purple tape, man. It's all about the gray tape. <laughs> the gray tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. those were the when you when those would go on sale, those like crazy. I like, yep, yeah, grab them all. The best for mixtapes, like yep. dubbing on those. It's like what? You gotta you get, get them all. A twenty pack, It'd be insane. Man, I got reels. My first oh, stuff man. was on reel, reel, man. Crazy, straight up. That was people. They don't understand now. Yeah, like that's what I, YBG, Young Black and Gifted. First stuff was definitely on reel, the reel. Do you remember? 100%. Did you what would have been like a the hit song for you guys? Oh, it was like man. the song you always had to do, man. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even remember. Yeah. I gotta tell you, man. It it was like we were just starting, man. Like I can't remember any of those songs. Do you have a favorite line or anything? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, man. No, not for those. I mean, no. like I say in in like I used to suck, man. Like I as every MC that I believe, if you start you just start rapping, you're not good. You know, you gotta like you gotta mature. You gotta take time, you gotta practice. And, like, back then, I know I used to suck, even though people were like, yo, you're dope, da-da-da-da-da. You know, when you look outside of it, like, my skills were not ready for putting on to any kind of recording at that time, right? So whatever we did, I mean, that's just, like, I don't even think about that stuff. You know, that was practice to me. For sure, it's practice, and that's... And that's what it that's what it is. That's what it should be, right? But they yeah. say, you know, if you don't hate the first thing you put out, you you waited too long. <laughs> so exactly. and I know that's true, you know, exactly. and I look back at stuff like, Oh man, but you know Exactly. You waited way too long. Yeah. If you like if you put out real good shit, like for the first time, that's the thing. A lot of people they don't put out anything until they think it's perfect. Right? But you're not gonna get perfect. No. It's not gonna. You're never gonna get perfect. You know. Uh, I don't. I don't know any perfect MCs. No. You know. So, if you think you know, the first thing you put well, out Epic's perfect, you close. waited too long. <laughs> well, Epic, Epic's. You know. It's another. He's level. on another level, right? Shout out Epic. <laughs> We're gonna be driving to Saskatoon with him in, yep. uh, next week. Straight up. Yeah. No. No. Um, <laughs> that's dope. Yeah. So we're gonna drive until I just want to finish real quick, mm. and then we'll get back to this. 
There was one more album we were bumping in the car mm-hmm. that we were both like feeling. Yeah. Pretty hard. Yep. We're talking about that nine. N I N D. Yep. He's nine. back. <laughs> yeah, I've been like K I N G. I've been watching. I've been watching his videos all day. Straight oh, up. Yeah. Straight up. Like I was like, yo, I was remembering the trip back. I'm like, I'm gonna check out some of them videos, see what's up, because I want to see. Because just hearing nine right now is strange enough. <laughs> 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 you know well, well yeah man like i mean i've always been a huge nine fan i remember just a kid picking it up at hmv in mm-hmm. toronto but i remember paying like 25 bucks for that tape Damn. it was one of those hmvs had the import sticker on it remember that right right yeah yeah those are expensive tapes and know? i couldn't it was the only place i could it find was, it it was the clear tape probably too right yeah it was a clear tape yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh and he had the song with Froggy Frog on it, which was him <laughs> rapping like a frog. Anyone who knows that Nine album, you forget it, but he's like, I come with ribbit flavor. I'm ribbit major. I ribbit yeah. for the cause. Ribbit pause. <laughs> 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 like, go find that. If you're listening oh, to this now, man. go track down Froggy Frog. And it's Nine. But he never says it's Nine. It's like featuring Froggy Frog. <laughs> I, and I don't know if it's him making fun of Snoop Dogg at the time or what it was supposed I, to be. I don't think so. Now that I see what he's doing right now, I think he was serious about that. He was like, yo, I'm going to flip this. Like, I'm an MC. Like, this dude is a serious MC. I mean, with me, man, back in those days, I was, like, kind of close-minded. If I saw any real big hit, I wouldn't buy your album. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, and I and me, yeah, what you what want, you want was, huge. was huge, man. So I was like, nah, I, don't, I ain't feeling it. You know, because too many people was liking it. <laughs> yeah, see, I was the, I was the opposite for something like that. Like, I was very much that way for, like, Puff Daddy and some of that stuff. Yeah. I guess with Nine, it was, like, that beat, I couldn't get it out of my head. <laughs> and also, like, in Halifax, it was, like, there's only so many rap records you could find at the store. Right, And right. a lot of them, like, everybody had, like, whatever, Salt and Pepper, Naughty by Nature, Public Enemy, like, good. Right. And, like, those are dope records. I'm not, you know, we love that. But, like, everybody had those. But then when you find something, like, a little left field, like, it's like, oh, what? Right. Like, even Guru at the time, right? Like, Gangstar was hard to find, like, stuff like that. I remember having a special order Capone and Noriega, and it took, like, two months waiting to get that. And it was, like, I was so hyped to hear that record. And, like, that that was a big record when it came out, right? And, you know, there was kind of this feeling around it, like, oh, this is the next Mob Deep kind of thing. Like, these guys are crazy. And, um, yeah, but for whatever reason, like, Nine was super hard to find. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt, was impossible. That was another one I had to get in Toronto. Right. Um, like, I got all my 12 inches when I'd be hanging out with my cousins in Toronto. And uh, But, yeah, in Halifax, there was Soul to Soul. I think it was called Soul to Soul Records. And this guy, Del Re- Delroy, ran it. And he would special order stuff for you. Okay. But it would take, again, it would just take forever. And the tapes would be, like, $25. Um, and then to, Rich, Buck 65, used to run a radio show. So right. we would all, even though he told us all not to tape his show, he's, we all taped it. Of course. <laughs> what do you mean? Not, what, I'm like 13 years about? old, yeah. man. I'm taping this show. <laughs> How am like, I not going to tape this, right? And he had all the best 12 inches. Yeah. He'd play all the B-sides, all the remixes. I've still got those tapes from those shows and that's really how we got a lot of stuff like first wu-tang like he had I mean, he had the cream 12 inch before anybody had that it was crazy mm, yeah the cream 12 inch the first 12 inch i saw was um uh, i think it was uh mystery of chess boxing mystery chess boxing. yeah maybe I cream was on the beast uh, no man no. cream came out later but i never saw the cream 12 inch ever like i never saw that come here to art to like the record stores yeah that's crazy it was tough yeah. i had the hookup though I had I had a hookup that kind of rare. I had an HMV hookup. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. So what I would do, 
So I go down to HMV, and you ask them for their catalog. So they would give me, like, the catalog every month, and it was thick. It was, like, you know, an inch or inch and a half thick, full of what was coming out. I would just be like, I need this, 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 and this on vinyl. <laughs> so That's crazy. I would pre-order like everything that was coming out, like Wu Tang, all Wu Tang on was like full length records. I made sure that HMV brought them in on vinyl, and they would bring in like, you know, five, five every month or something, and yada yada. But I didn't have to pay in advance, right? So they just bring them in. They call me, okay, you're. Capone and Noriega vinyls here, whatever, you know, just pick it up. Your Ghostface vinyls here, da da da, right? But they never sold advertised that they sold vinyl back then, right? You had to like get the catalog and select the vinyl. So yeah, I had for like months, man. I just had shipments of full length rap albums on vinyl. That's amazing. In. You still got them? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I mean, now if you go to HMV and you order vinyl, they're gonna be like, okay, pay me right now you yeah know, pay me in advance and maybe we'll bring it in for you you know if That's i like you dope. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah halifax got doper and doper and there was a period of like maybe a year or two where there was like four or five places and they were all ordering mm. crazy 12 inches and like when that whole independent boom happened, like when Priority and everybody folded, like we were talking yeah. about, like that's what happened, I think, to Nine, yeah. like when Priority or Profile, whoever he was on, I think he was on Profile because I got the 12 inches. Right. And when all those labels folded, like the indies that kind of started popping up just before Napster, when you had like CoFlow was popping off, like uh, Ruckus was, Ruckus, you know. Yeah, like right. I remember like from that era, I remember Company Flow and Most Def being like, mm -hmm. and Talib Kweli and like those guys, Reflection Eternal and the Ruckus stuff yeah. was like, you could find those 12-inch those were, were popping up everywhere. And that was kind of like that last golden era, right? Yeah. There's a lot of like Thurston Howell stuff. Yeah. And like that was Lyricist uh, Lounge. That yeah, era. when the independent labels were were in were th before they were all like a lot of rappers that i respect have dissed a lot of independent labels that i used to respect and i mean i just think it's you know the business when those independent labels were popping off like ruckus and whatever whatever i mean they were doing a service to the fans right like they were putting out cats that Major Sink in a Touch. Yeah. Shaban right? Sadiq. Uh, yeah. Like so many guys. So it's like yeah. a service. So, I mean, the only problem is that it was a business. <laughs> Whether your label's independent or not, you're running a business. And, you know, I hear a lot of bitter rappers because they were on those independent labels and, you know, stuff didn't work out. You know, and then they, those labels ended up folding and this and that. And, you know, it's a shame certain things didn't work out, but those labels were definitely... They were providing a service to to the fans, which I, I don't see like I don't think a lot of major labels do. They they, they almost want to manipulate the fan, you know, like this is what we want you to hear. Whereas the independent labels were like, yo, here's a bunch of dudes that we think are dope. You tell me, <laughs> you know, there's like weird rappers that you're like, what? They had one deal. Yeah. One something, Michael Myers, Rasco, like yeah, right. dudes who pop up, and you're like, this guy, maybe a few years earlier, might have had a bit more push on a label, but mm. then without it, and then Nine's probably a perfect example when that when his deal fell apart, and he kind of touches on it on King, which is such, which is so interesting, right? And he's just kind of like explaining what he was up against, like he came out really around the time 
when Puff Daddy, Biggie, Tupac, all that stuff was yeah. really blowing up. And yeah. it was already riding on Nas and Wu-Tang. Right. And, like, trying to get that market share in there, for him, not just for him, but for his label. I mean, that's, like, a difficult thing. So no matter how dope you were, and I think Keith Murray was funny because both those records dropped within the last little while. We right. were listening to both these dudes who were both really big in that, like, early, mid-'90s era. Yeah, they but, were about to blow. But type, something, yeah. yeah. And they were, for all intents and purposes, on the underground, they blew up. Like, everybody, yeah. you talk to heads, everybody yeah. knows Keith Murray. Most people know Nine yeah. if you're of a certain... You know, right headspace right. <laughs> you know but like but then yeah nine i couldn't find anything from him for years after uh cloud nine right and then he put out this record called quinine or quinine hmm. and because he i guess he had to have nine in the title of every <laughs> album nine lives cloud nine quinine and then he did one called the nine commandments right that's just come that's out just more recent, recently right. and then king and king is just like yeah the snow goons Anyways, yeah. we'll stop like hyping yeah. up nine, but it's it's interesting to hear these dudes who now are like Keith Murray nine. They got to be in their fifties now. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, and they're still rapping. Like he's killing it <laughs> at fifty. That's it. Sounds crazy. Yeah, like I wasn't even checking for nine back then, but you learn to appreciate hip hop. You know, once it starts losing um, its integrity, you know, like nowadays, I'm I'm worried about hip hop, so I start. You know, when someone like Nine comes out with an album, you're like, okay, thank you. Thank you, Nine, you know. <laughs> thank you for... <laughs> it's true, man. It's totally true. <laughs> for put, for doing your part in, in helping, you know, sew up the tattered rags of hip-hop right now, you know. and What really bugs you right now about the hip-hop scene? Um, well, we know a lot of great hip-hop that's being produced right now, I but could, on the larger scale. I could tell you what bugs me. You don't need to name names or anything. No, no, it's not. It's not a name. It's this. It's like the thing is, it's the whole thing. <laughs> like it's what hip hop is now compared to what it was when I was growing up in hip hop. So like when I was growing up in hip hop, you had you know two MCs, a DJ, um, some dancers, um, and then you had some dope samples. You had cuts in your hook. You had some dope banging drums that, you know, either sampled or whatnot. Boom bap, right? So now what I see they call hip-hop is, like, no samples, no DJ, one rapper, no dancers, and no, like, like people are, like, rhyming over their vocals, so that's the killer yeah <laughs> i mean that's that's part of it right it just seems like it's completely opposite of what it was and i mean i'm not saying that all of it is bad i'm just saying it's not what it was <laughs> well it's it's splintered too i mean there's definitely just like rock and roll is splintered into so many things mm -hmm. punk alternative heavy metal folk rock whatever grunge you just go on and on and on rap really and I think what people outside of hip-hop still don't see, they all see it as one, oh, this rap or hip-hop or whatever. People can get really close-minded. Mm -hmm. But when you're within hip-hop even, I think there's a lot of people who are like, well, this is my hip-hop, this is my hip-hop, this is my hip-hop. I'm with you. Like, I 1 million percent agree with you. I think we come at it with very similar uh, ideas and, and thoughts about what, what we love our hip-hop to be. Right. But I think, like... There are so many subgenres now within hip hop, 
and it's still so hard i think for for some people to accept mm-hmm. it it's like no i love i love hip-hop i love rap this isn't really rap to me maybe this is something else this is right. like the singy right. whatever core or the mumble core or whatever and it's like you know yeah. i i know what you're saying it's, it's a whole it's a bigger it's a whole bigger topic too. i mean it's true like i understand like it could be just semantic right it could yeah. be just like well it's a category this is a category of hip-hop but i guess what bothers me is that from an outsider like if you're an outsider you're not going to understand the subtleties and the semantics and the categories of hip-hop what you're going to do is you're going to look at what is given to you and presented to you as hip-hop yeah right but you're, you're right though i mean there's a lot of cat i mean there's a lot of cats like me and you that are doing our thing that we don't sound nothing like a lot of hip-hop and there's dudes that don't sound like us and still don't sound like you know a lot of hip-hop that's out so there's a lot of different categories and and stuff it's just i think sometimes we get grouped into the same um into a same kind of well we get grouped into the same kind of thing and what what's portrayed is the most popular part of that right not the subtlety that we are or the you know different skill sets that we have compared to somebody that's just basically doing a hook the whole song i'm not going to say that you know you can't do it anymore or that you have to have a dj or whatever i'm just saying for me what i look for um what bothers me is it's harder to find what i look for yeah Yeah. okay but nine thank you nine Thank you, Nine. All right, and we're gonna come all the way back around. <laughs> Just touch back because you were you were talking about your group, and then mm-hmm. I want to know a bit more about how you went solo, That's and right. like when the whole solo thing started, and how you linked up, and with like NATO and everything, and right. uh, and really on the Canadian scene. And I know we've got mm-hmm. a treat we're gonna play for people at the end of this episode too, and we can talk about that. But right. maybe give give the the audience a little bit of a synopsis on on well, the touch yeah. history, a touch of touch, if you will. I mean, basically. With the group I had, DGC, Dangerous Goods Collective, group that I was in, um, we had a philosophy, and that's why we called ourselves a collective, is our philosophy was that we weren't beholden to each other, like, we, we could do, you know, we could work with other people, you know, because what we did is we observed the cats around us, and we saw people, you know, just you know break groups breaking up because this dude did a track with this dude and this dude did a track with this dude and people were you know internally fighting and we're like we didn't want to do that so we're gonna have like a constitution here where you know yo if you want to do something with dude go ahead yo dj yo if, if dice wants to go dj with someone else go ahead you know do your thing if you need to throw cuts on someone else's track go ahead man but you know we're a collective we do shows together we do our thing. And uh, so basically, after, you know, 2001, we dropped our album. And uh, we were trying to, you know, kind of uplift our situation um, business-wise. And certain things just didn't work out business-wise. And, you know, I don't, I don't like going into the details of that. But, you know, we just ended up you know, not doing another album together, but I had been working with NATO throughout that, you know, um, I met NATO at the black dog, uh, 
which was uh, underground hip hop night every Tuesday. That's right. Now it's just yeah. mainly just a pub, right on yeah. White Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it had the longest hip hop night in Edmonton's history, you know, and we were part of that. So I mean, that's where if you were with doing any kind of hip hop, you would go there on Tuesdays. What would have been right? some of the acts that would have been there? Well, I mean, you would have seen like All Nato's crew. Um, you would have seen Max Prime. You would have seen Kari. You know, you would have seen Cadence Weapon. You would have seen Weasel. You would have seen, you know, just everybody. You know, anybody that had anything to do with hip hop. You know, that's where, that's where the mecca was, right? And uh, yeah, so that's I got a couple of my first beats from Nato just doing that night. Um, every once in a while, we DJ that night together. So I started working with him just doing songs basically and I, we'll, we'll play one of those songs that we did and you know we just kept doing songs i wasn't really doing much with my group anymore so we realized oh we got about eight songs might as well do an album and uh then we went hard and actually you know tried to actually do a real album and finish it up right so i mean the song that we're gonna play is basically i think it's the second song that i ever did with nato the sp12 and we pressed it on vinyl, the abstract wax. So that's like Calgary, Edmonton, and Saskatoon. Basically, a bunch of rappers got together, you know, put our money together and put put the vinyl out. Right. That's how you did it. Yeah. That's and that's it. That's still that collective mentality. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you and know. I mean, at that point, even like when you think back, like two thousand one, like was your idea to just do things independently or were you at that point still thinking maybe I'll try and mm. take this to a label or uh, something or were you just trying to just put stuff out I was what we what I was doing what I was thinking in 2001 was yo like we as a group we could take over you know that's that was in my mind state I was like oh, yo we got like the dopest sound right now I'm I'm thinking we got like dopest DJs our style was like was super like different than most cats like like 1A2 which is you know the section west end of the city where we're from we were always on some like weirdo space kind of strange like we always wanted some advanced you know kind of kind of beats but we were always like influenced by you know beat miners and and there's the brooklyn and the new york kind of sound right the so itc stuff yeah the like, itc yeah. yeah so we were like yo nothing no, nobody's doing this in edmonton um, I don't hear a lot of this in Canada, you know, so I'm thinking, yo, we could take over. So I had plans, man. I was like, yo, let's trademark the, the logo. Let's get a studio, you know, let's build this. Right. And that's what I did, man. I like straight up and down. I went in on a five year lease. I signed a five year lease, my very first lease in a downtown office building. Right. So I was like, as soon as I signed that paper, I was committed. I'm like, we're going to do this. And. You know, things didn't work out, but I maintained, you know, my responsibilities. You're you're just getting stronger every year, man. And I, it's like you that's know. you learn from that stuff. Right? Exactly. Like, it was a good lesson. So much. Yeah. You know, and it was like a lesson of responsibility and like, you know, what you should what you should do. <laughs> it was a lesson in fragility as well. Like, you know, you may think you got something, but rap groups are the hardest thing. One of the hardest things to keep together, you know. The second to, you know, rock groups. <laughs> yeah, well, between you've got 
everyone's different commitment levels, first right. of all, and right. work ethics, and you got to discipline yourself. Exactly. And then you've also got everyone's different personalities. Exactly. And exactly. egos and emotions and and then financial commitments and life comes up and all yeah. that stuff. It's 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 so hard to keep the band together, man, like exactly. 100%. So And you know, that's why I'm like at that point I had that was probably like my fourth group, you know, and I'm like, "Yo, I just kept it moving, right? I just started doing more stuff with NATO and I mean, NATO got super busy with production and whatnot and I started you know doing stuff with other producers across Canada um like Dirty Sample and shout out Dirty Sample yeah, yeah it was good seeing him in Calgary man yeah word up dope producer I'd never actually met him in person so that's one of those that yeah, and he keeps his face hidden so it's good to finally like see his face yeah yeah he's one of the <laughs> illest one of the yeah. illest definitely so I mean and you guys got a project coming up yeah we got um we got a project coming up. It's going to be the third uh, third installment of our trilogy. Yeah, yeah. So real yep. real quick, just so through the discography and everything, cause mm -hmm. so you've been putting out a bunch of solo stuff then yep. since going solo. Mm -hmm. You work with NATO. You got some stuff on hand solo recently. Yep. Did some stuff th over the years. Yep. And uh, you yep. got a vast catalog, man. Pretty good discography. Yeah, I mean, I like to do at least one a year. You know, and I mean, I've been in this for a long time, so that's a lot of a lot of albums, and uh, you know, um, from the representatives, um, alienated was like um, a bunch of different producers. Uh, that's when people heard the representatives and were like getting at me. I think that's when I first heard you, actually. Right, probably, or, or maybe know. like just before that drop. But I, I right. think I first heard that. I was like, this is sick. like that was my favorite Canadian record, like. Like what? Who are these dudes? Like, yeah, it was like it was pretty big, like for both of us. Listeners, go hunt that down for sure. Can you find us on yeah. Bandcamp right now? Yeah, um, if you check out uh, touch one eight two dot com, um, you can find it there. Yeah, um, or a link to it. So many good records since too, but that that one. Yeah, like, that was like, definitely that a my classic. Ears to you guys for sure. Well, that's that's the one that you know kind of got a lot of producers talking to me and getting a hold of me and. You know, I just started forming a lot of bonds and a lot of friendships with a lot of different producers in Canada, and they were all dope. So, I mean, I was never really lacking in, in, in beats and whatnot, so I always had, you know, somebody trying to get at me to do something, and I just did what I could, basically, and put out what I could, and I just, you know, I I always take it as a challenge, right, to, to work with different producers and to expand my mind and, and kind of form form my style to that producer and i mean it just keeps it fresh keeps your skills fresh keeps your outlook fresh on hip-hop right so yeah the alienated um dead words was all my production which was i mean i was i still don't think i'm like the dopest producer but no you got it, some really dope beats man. it was something i i just wanted to do like i wanted to do like something with all my beats right uh, the fly dirty was with dirty sample. We did the thing as well, um, time bandits and uh, journey to the west, which is uh, the newest joint. Um, I did it with my homie T Perk. He's he was living in China for like twenty years. Got a hold of me, and uh, we did a we did time bandits with DJ Weasel, and then uh, he got a hold of me to do journey of the west, and we did that up. Yes. Yeah, so what 
just because that recently came out on Han Solo, right? That yeah. was earlier this year. Yeah. It's a great record. So tell people what that's about, like, because yeah. it taps in, like, with the Monkey King and everything. Yeah, so that's, um, um, a lot of the samples were from cassettes and uh, a lot of, like, Chinese folklore cassettes and, and um, some were from a series called Journey to the West, which is a very super popular series in um, in China about a mythical creature called Wukong, who was the monkey king. And he's basically, I mean, if you look him up, if you look up his stats online, you'll, under, <laughs> you'll, underst- you'll understand why I chose this, this dude, man. Because, I mean, he's super, super powerful, but super flawed. Like, very... He's he's trying to learn. He's trying to he's trying to contain his demons, and he and he goes and he fights demons and he fights all kinds of different demons. So that's what the series is about, right? And he's basically trying to humble himself and um, just destroy these demons. And he is traveling with a, a high, basically a high priest, right? So this series, I basically wrote an album that kind of intertwined my journey through hip hop with his journey through fighting his demons and tr- just try to kind of mix concepts, basically remix like, like we do in hip hop. Right. Um, so it was tough, man. It was like writing a movie <laughs> basically, you know, I've never, I've never done anything like it, but that's why I do hip hop, right. To challenge, exactly, challenge yeah. myself. I know, I know what that's all about, man. Like, and so you're working on the third team up with 30 sample now. That's right. And that's going to be on, again, people can find on Touch 182? Um, yes. Well, I'm not sure where I'm putting it out. Um, most, I'm 90% sure it's going to be out on Hand Solo. So, I mean, once it's done, we're just going to talk to There'll Thomas and, yeah. and hopefully link that up. Um, that's what I want to do with it. So, but obviously, um, it's not done yet. So, we haven't you know, locked that down. Um, yeah, and I'm working on another album with a kind of a secret album right now with a producer um, out of Japan. Those will be coming out pretty soon, and they're definitely concept. Like if if you know my albums, like The Thing, The Fly, Time Bandits. Uh, if you know, if you've heard of those, you you know they're classics, and that's you know these next two albums. That's what I'm trying to do, putting out a couple more classics. So. That's yeah, that's all you do, <laughs> everything you touch classic where did touch come from like were you touch originally like back um, in the day was that no actually yeah what was your first rap name <laughs> my fat my first rap name was too nice all right yeah <laughs> with the number two um no no it was just too nice it was just too <laughs> nice uh, but there was a dude out named too nice back then okay right which whatever i wasn't even like i was still I wasn't really like in Edmonton or just in Germany? no in general like in the it was U.S. Like in Brooklyn or there something. was a yeah there was actually I probably got his tape here yeah yeah like it was actually a popular um, rapper in L.A. I think or something or Brooklyn or something. it sounds like a rapper yeah name too like, nice like, like he's he had taken someone's gonna take it I'm pretty sure there was a video even on much on Rhapsody or something maybe but um uh yeah so my f- and then it was like intellect intellect was kind of how when i i got popular with intellect in the city basically and uh i was just like yo it was too presumptuous i didn't want that i didn't i didn't want that on me that i'm supposed to be smart right so i actually my next rap name was the traveler yeah, yeah. nice star yeah. trek reference you got it 
I was, is, that's a dope rap name too. Yeah, I was like, I got a I got a jersey right now with a traveler on it. You know, like an Eskimos jersey and like one eight two on the back. Um, but yeah, like if you know how uh, Next Generation ended, you know how deep the traveler is, right? <laughs> oh yeah. You know Wesley Crusher and whatnot. And check out Picard Maneuver, the yeah. track on uh, less more or less his new album. Absolutely. Get a little more insight into back, the traveler. I go yeah. back to the alias, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, and then I didn't know that was one of your rap names, yeah, man. Yeah, that's traveler. okay. That's sweet. All right, we're learning yeah. something. Yeah, that's what the show is. We're learning. We're here to learn. I'll show you the jersey. It's in the vocal booth. All right, we learn. <laughs> Weekend it touches. We're learning. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then it was um, your friendly neighborhood, Mike Toucher. Ah. Yeah. So um, that you know, it's long. So it was just like <laughs> Mike Toucher. People, I would just go by Mike Toucher. Um, and then in like where I'm from, like our neighborhood, we always had nicknames for each other. So even though it was Mike Toucher, um, my man E Dot, he would call me Tactile or he'd call me the Tactilian Rapskillian. Right. So they all kind of like touch kind of things. And I just, I was like, yo, it's just touch. It's just going to be touch. Right. So it went basically from the your friendly neighborhood, Mike Toucher to, to touch. touch. Yeah, and that's my style went like that too. Like, my style went real complex to simplistic, but, you know, I tried to keep it profound. Less words, more content, right? That's basically, that was a, a metaphor for what was happening to me Yeah. back then, right? And you're still doing it, and you got a lot of stuff happening here. Can you talk about what's going on in the basement right now? Yeah, yeah. So, um, up in arms, uh, basically under us, the new Up and Arm Studio is going to be built. Um, we're in the middle of that right now. NATO is working hard every day. Um, he's, if if you don't know, NATO's like multi-talented. He he can master your album and frame your room. <laughs> yeah, he was texting me. He's like, yeah, I should touch if I can like break. What is he trying to put up some drywall or something? Yeah, he's got to fix the drywall. Yeah. So yeah, he's, shout out NATO. Yeah, <laughs> NATO's like crazy super producer, like yeah. hardest working producer, hardest working engineer in in Canada that I know of, straight up. So, um, him and his wife uh, bought the building. So right now I'm living on top of our future studio. So um, every morning, but you know. 9 a.m. I can hear them hammering down there and I just wake up and I'm like yeah studio's almost done almost done so um yeah there's gonna be a new up and arm studio it's no there's no no landlords anymore so everything's everything's ours and we're gonna you know we're putting our roots down basically right I think it's it's so incredible and I was telling you earlier just seeing so many so many people especially in hip-hop you know they're in it for just a short time and then mm -hmm. they're out right Right. You know, you've made such a long career and you're just now pro prolonging it for, you know, more and more. And you got so much ahead of you. And especially with this, the studio downstairs and you're like building it and putting all your skills there. And, you know, it's the dream really to yeah. to wake up, go record some yeah. music and absolutely create some stuff. And then just walk upstairs and go to bed. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, like I, I literally like I have everything I ever wanted. Right. And I mean, to be able to say that, like no one thinks you can ever say that, you know, when you're growing up, I'm going to have everything I ever want, you know, but I can li I can say that right now. Like I've got everything I ever wanted and because all I ever wanted was dope hip hop samplers, 
you know, and to be able to to at will create, right? And that's what I got. So I it's mean, inspiring. You can see it, you know, dude, in a great place. We're gonna be hitting the road couple couple days for yep. uh, we got Vancouver. We're gonna, we're gonna bang out some dope shows. We're gonna dope shows, yep. dope songs, a lot of I'm just gonna keep coming back to Alberta now. Yeah, the man. studio, I'm gonna I'm be checking you, back. You like, always got a place, man. So anytime. This has been amazing and uh, you know, go Oilers, man. Let's see yeah. uh, see what we can do. Yeah, this year. <laughs> All right. Let's uh we're gonna get in this track. This has been an amazing weekend at touch uh in exclusive interview. Yeah. Thanks, homie. Uh all right, so we're gonna we're gonna play this track and then we're gonna come back with my homie Kieran's crazy comic book corner of curiosities. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. It's Weekend at Bergie's, the tour edition. Word. Word. Yo, grab your SBs. Grab your 950s. Yo, grab your MPCs. Grab your Sartans. Yo, check this Rap may be fake, but niggas are real. How I feel about hip-hop reflected in the skill. Applied to the art, whether or not I hit the chart is irrelevant. It's about how I invent, how valuable time is spent. It ain't about paying the rent. It's about how that sample sound once it's bent. And what that beat do to your neck. It ain't about a check, it's about respect. Only attained by longevity That means I'ma drop an album when I'm 70 A lot of producers can mention me A lot of MCs went with me into vocal booths Once empty and breathe heavy Dissect the melody, melodic pace that's steady I've been in space, there ain't shit that you said to me Next to me, there's a space in heaven for this blessed beat Testing me will get you one step next to me It ain't about the triad Get dropped for not meeting expectations Then you gotta beg to get play on underground radio stations That's the way it is, I feel it's about patience And making real music that's easy to relate with Not that fake shit, I'm on some transcend time and space shit Imagination triggers inspiration I could describe pretty much any situation Or decide to put a listener on an island in the Caymans I try to keep shit layman or some won't take it in But the one thing I can't do Make this shit as part of my life, like breathing. It kept me from lying, cheating, robbing and stealing. Probably crack dealing. That's how real it is. What? You feeling it? If not, you Helen Keller. I'm at the instant teller, taking out cash while you're stroking your sampler, talking about selling her. We're well worth your attentiveness. My incentive list is composed of skills, dedication, and inventiveness. Don't worry about your satisfaction. There's the money back, guarantee on whatever you spend on this. All right, and continuing the excitement on tour on the road while I'm out west, hanging with some of my favorite people, my best Westies, <laughs> <laughs> my pal Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> what were you the best Westies? <laughs> Is that a thing? I don't. I like it. It's a yeah, thing it now. It's a thing now. Kieran McAvoy. We're about to get into a section that I'm very excited about called Kieran's Crazy Comic Book Corner of Curiosities, 
And Kieran, you and I first met at Silver Snail when I got a job there in 2003. Yeah, 2003 would have been. Although we think we met earlier when I went in and bought a Snake Eyes t-shirt as a kid at the Eglinton shop. I'm sure we did because I would remember anyone that bought G.I. Joe stuff. And we <laughs> had those 275 t-shirts and there was a Snake Eyes one and an Anderson Pantra one, both of which wouldn't have fit me. But I got that, I scored that Snake Eyes one and I remember it was like Snake Eyes... Anyone who knows the Snake Eyes character, his pack, his like his pack, <laughs> his <laughs> pouches are like gray, but in this artwork they were kind of purple, and he was kind of he looked more navy and purple than black and gray. But it was it, still a Snake Eyes shirt. Yeah, it looked it looked so good. But I digress. 2003, I get a job at, at the Queen West Silver Snail in Toronto. Dream job. You and I meet, and uh, and we weren't allowed to work together, right? Our bosses. They, we got along too well. The, yeah, we were instantly denied working together. I was in school full-time at this point. It's so only working part-time, so they they scheduled us on opposite shifts because, heaven forbid, we should have fun together because when we discovered that we both loved G.I. Joe, it was game over. It was over, and you were more sort of like into rock, and I was obviously into hip-hop, but then I think, you know, we, we, we really bonded on the music and comic book yeah, connection. Yeah, exactly. I was always like, man, the only difference between you and I is... The, the kind of music we were listening to. Other than that, we had all the same views on everything. Comics, And cartoons. I remember you, man, and I really, I still appreciate you coming out to all those early shows uh, that I was doing at the Hooch on Queen West. And yeah, I remember that. You were the only one from work that came out. I remember that was, that was cool. Yeah, I, I remember doing your merch back then. <laughs> <laughs> those were crazy times. So how, how many years did you work at the Snail? Because you were there years before I... I got there. Yeah, I think I started in like 80, 88, 89. Like I was hanging out there on the reggae around then. Actually, uh, I think my first official day would have been somewhere in March of 89. And that wow. would have been at the Eglinton store. So, so I was like 14. Yeah, so basically when I met you, you were already kind of like 14 or 15 years deep yeah. in lore. Oh, yeah, the snail. that was my whole life. Like I, I worked there full time, ran the place. Took a break to do theater, came, but I always was drawn back. And comic fans listening who know Silver Snail know how legendary and fundamental Silver Snail was to the comics community in not just Toronto, but really in Canada. And th that's a whole other history that we, we kind of tap on every now and then on this podcast. It, it, it keeps coming up. But you. It's an episode of itself. It's 100%. It's, it's a whole series on itself. But you. You witnessed a lot of crazy things, especially <laughs> in the '90s and all the the different signings. And I, this this is why we're yeah. here. To, I want the, to hear the these signing legends. The signing <laughs> legends. So, I mean, you. I know you've told me Grant Morrison came through, Neil Gaiman came through. Yeah, we had Dave McKean, like Jeff Smith, uh, uh, Dave. Sim I mean, like it's a laundry list of a who's who. It's crazy. Mike Mignola come yeah. through. Uh, Mobius was Mobius, there. Mobius, Bill Sienkiewicz, maybe. Bill oh yeah. We, like they were all Mobius, there. Like it's just it's crazy. There's just it isn't. Did Frank Miller ever come? Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, Mark Asquith was friends with Frank Miller when he was in town, and uh, we met up at a bar, and it was awesome because he. I was like, like Mark would always say hi to me when I come into the bar, and he was sitting there. I'm like, who are you sitting with? <laughs> and it, and uh, we're all there, like a bunch of. And Mark asked with former manager at Silver Snail. Yeah. For those 
not oh, yeah, keeping yeah, track. Of course, <laughs> keeping track, yeah. And we're sitting there with Frank Miller, and he invites me over. I get to sit there and talk to Frank Miller. Now, what era Frank Miller is this? Sin City. Wow. So this is like 99. That's 99, crazy. 2000. This is probably right, yeah, around there, I guess. What was like the one thing that stood out about Frank Miller to you? Uh, you know what? He was so patient with w- one person in particular who was instantly starstruck like here's this guy just sitting in a bar catching up with an old friend and he's announced to the entire place that the creator of sin city is in the bar and he was so patient with him but then like after we got rid of that guy he he (laughs) (laughs) you know we i was able to sit down with him and talk for a bit which was awesome an excitable comic nerd yeah, go figure. I've never seen it. <laughs> 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 yeah, they don't exist. Now, there was, I know you've got a quick John Byrne tale. Yeah, yeah. speaking of excitable comic nerds, it's uh, George Zotti's stor- story. Uh, the manager of the Silver Snail before me uh, and was working there a few years older than me. He's so. actually the guy who hired me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, originally. Shout go. out to George, yeah. And so this would be 1986. He's going to a convention where John Byrne is signing and at this at this point John Byrne would be doing sketches for like 10 or 20 bucks for whoever was in line sometimes for free and so this kid in line is goes up and is like hey I'd like a sketch of Wolverine fighting Superman and that's a big deal because John Byrne for those who know revolutionized the X-Men and then went to DC to revolutionize Superman yeah so it's right when he's doing Superman he's at the height of his popularity and so, but he's doing Superman at this point. And, uh, yeah, so he starts sketching out this picture and it's Superman standing, you know, like, like his hands on his hips in his classic heroic pose. And Wolverine's just going in to punch him. And as he's hitting him, the claws are buckling and coming right out of his arm. <laughs> and so his, his arm's just all breaking like he's just. It's amazing. Wall. It's such a and it's such an awesome nerd request. It's like I want to yeah. see Wolverine fighting yeah, Superman. Exactly. Draw me that. <laughs> <laughs> and but the, yeah, you'd think it was awesome, but the kid was outraged and he starts yelling at John. That's <laughs> not what would happen. <laughs> Wolverine's claws would cut through Superman. He's like, look, kid, I don't know what what you're thinking, but this is how this goes down. This is the creator who worked on these yeah, comics. They, he's like, I make my living doing this. This this is exactly how this would happen. And he's like freaking out at John Byrne and John Byrne's just deadpanning him like, I don't know what you want. I'm not drawing it the other way. This <laughs> is the this is the only way this fight ends. I love that man. And John Byrne is sort of notoriously like a cranky guy. So Yeah, so for him to just, just sit there and just like, look, kid, <laughs> either you want it or you don't. And he walked away from the sketch, which George and his buddy Hoka were able to scoop. Wow, I gotta, I gotta find that. Sketch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Next time I see George, I gotta see if he's still got it. Yeah, yeah, it's the stuff of legend. That's crazy. Okay, so now I know there's one particular story that you've got about a pretty famous <laughs> comic creator, two comic two. creators. So, Garth, Garth Ennis. Ennis. Okay, Garth Ennis and, and Steve Dillon. So this would have been 1994. Uh, before Preacher hit, these guys are working on Hellblazer. Wow. And it's like... And of course, yeah, they worked on Preacher. They did, well, The Boys. The Boys, Punisher. Like too, those yeah. guys were, were together doing a ton of stuff. But they were... This was their first big book together. And they're from Ireland. So 
getting two guys from Ireland to come in in 1994 is a big deal, especially for one of our best-selling books at the time. So we pick them up at the airport. And this is their first trip to Canada? As far as I know, because it was, well, for what Garth Ennis wanted to do, I can't... I hope it was his second or third, because all he wanted <laughs> to do was hang out in his hotel room. But what we ended up doing was he was like, I need to see Ren and Stimpy. And <laughs> I, 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 that's that's his whole trip. He's like, I need to see this show. So we that had to go. So, yeah. Now, that's just for, I'm going to stop you for a yeah, second, yeah. because and this is we've talked about this. But the fact that this is 94 and if it was today, you could see anything you could. I can sit at home and type in Ren and Stimpy in my computer and I can watch it from anywhere. But back then, you couldn't. So he comes to Canada and all he wants to do is <laughs> watch Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, it's all he's heard about, so he can't he has no access to it. Like it's so crazy. Yeah, nowhere to rent it See, over there. Being no video denied stores. access. It was such it's a concept that people don't understand these but days. But it meant so much to him <laughs> when he when we got here, right? So we go out for dinner, <laughs> then we <laughs> Then we go to Suspect Video. And knowing his sense of humor, too, this is just even funnier to me. But sorry, <laughs> go, go on. <laughs> and, yeah, but we get copies of the cartoon, and then he picks out a, he picks out D- uh, Dead Alive, the Peter Jackson movie. He's like, I've been dying to see that, too. So we grab the movie. I love that you took him to a video store. And this is like, yeah, he's a <laughs> rental patient. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this, that's all he wanted to do. And, and Steve Dillon was like, I just got to draw all night. I'm behind on Preacher. If I don't get this done while I'm here, you're not getting another issue. So we uh, go to the video store, pick up the movies, and then we go to the beer store. They go in and they, you know, they order 24 beer each. And then they turn around like, what about you guys? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we're in for a night, right? So meanwhile, I'm trying, I'm brain racking my head like, where are we going to get a VCR from, from the ho- for the hotel room, right? So... Oh yeah, so hotels didn't have a VCR back yeah, then. Yeah, no, no, no. It was just uh Weird. yeah, so we <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have anything, just a TV. So we're like we grabbed so like first choice. Was that the, the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah <laughs> that little brown box at the top with the red uh digital yeah, exactly. numbers. And so I was like, let's get the VCR from the store. So we go into the store after hours and you know, the VCR is way up high so that nobody'll steal it, I guess. But it's uh so I'm unhooking the VCR and I'm so proud of myself that I've come up with a solution, grabbing all the cords. This is like the store VCR that was used for like showing movies in. Oh yeah, yeah, we stuff. Get, yeah. yeah, it was all our promotions were run through there. Like film companies would send trailers, and this is what we do. Right. So we needed that thing, and uh, and you decided to steal it in the middle of the night. Yeah, well, for the tomorrow. greater good. Yeah, we're gonna bring it back tomorrow. <laughs> 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 just like renting yeah, a movie exactly. nice 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 touch there man but yeah so we're, we're but it's it's february in in toronto so it's snowy and icy out so i'm like holding on to this vcr like i am the king like i've solved the problem nobody else is getting it like i'm taking full credit for this idea and we're walking out of the store and we're walking back to the van when i slip <laughs> On a piece of ice, just do that full like 180, like bam, thud, Flintstone flop, and the VCR shatters. Ah. <laughs> yeah, and every, no. like, they're standing around, and Steve Dillon is trying. They're trying, you know, they're trying so hard not to all laugh their heads off at me. <laughs> Meanwhile, this is just a crazy yeah. scene to imagine. <laughs> yeah, there's there's people that want to laugh their heads off, and then there's the two the two people that from that i'm working with that are looking on in horror 
right? So you've got two different viewpoints, <laughs> <laughs> like hilarity and horror. All <laughs> and meanwhile, nobody like I'm lying flat on my back, and you know, BCR pieces everywhere. And to Garth Ennis's credit, he's the first person that came over to help me for what seemed like an eternity, lying on my back. He's like. Don't worry, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> and then he helps me up, and then we look at the VCR, and it's in pieces. The whole front thing, there's no, like, the buttons, they're all gone. <laughs> but we're like, well, maybe this can work. Oh, yeah, buttons. Remember, that was like, nothing yeah. Nothing has buttons now. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we're like, I don't even think, I don't even remember if we had the remote. Or I don't remember even how we got it to work. But we take it to the hotel room. And I think we use like paper clips or something to get in there to to start it, or when you put in a tape, it would automatically start playing. This is all for Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, <laughs> and Dead Alive. So we get there, and the machine looks like it's just been through a war. But after we hook it up, it works. Thank God. It's amazing. So we're hanging out all night watching these cartoons and the movie with Garth Ennis, while Steve Dillon is sitting at this round table in the hotel room like drawing away but as the night goes on his the bottles are piling up on the table and he's got less and less real estate to draw to the point that he's like just got a little corner of the table that he's turning the page upside down to get in that little square flat space to draw on so he's probably drawing upside down left and right but not clearing the bottles for the night and so that was a night and i'm like next day was the signing at the store, so they drank everything. Oh yeah, yeah, they were done. Like they were good to go. Like we were all uh, done after like five, and these guys are just pounding them back like water. So the next day, when we're at the at the store, you know, I'm like, "Hey, can I get you guys anything?" And they're sitting at the, the table and like, "Yeah, we'd like some beer." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Where the heck am I gonna get beer at a, like ten thirty, eleven in the morning?" Right, like. I wasn't prepared for this. So luckily across the street, there was a bar that was able to help us out. And luckily the person working there was a big comic fan. And so we got some pictures off, some pictures off site and had them underneath the table that we were filling their coffee mugs all throughout the signing. It's amazing. Yeah. You got to keep those champs. Irish <laughs> comic creators drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we were keeping them sober. I don't know, man. <laughs> Did anyone ask them to draw Superman versus Wolverine? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can only imagine what wow. Steve Dillon would have drawn. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I can do I can keep going. All right. So I know you got one more about a, <laughs> a, a friendly neighborhood guest <laughs> showing up for his wedding <laughs> in full regalia <laughs> oh yeah okay so what wh what was this for this was this is for like uh you know i'm gonna get in trouble because i it's spider-man annual 21 so the wedding the, the wedding, wedding of spider-man annual yeah right and we're having we had the ramitas john ramita jr and senior at the store for signing this is just before i'm working there i'm there as a I'm there as a customer waiting to get a job. You're so you're I'm the kid hanging, yeah, hanging around, out all helping day, right? Out. Like yeah. I'm 12 yeah. at this point. Yeah. And so back then you had to get, uh, you know, there was only one Spider-Man costume <laughs> and it was owned by Marvel and you had to hire a dude to play Spider-Man in your store. Like there was no cosplay or anything. It was a big deal to bring in Spider-Man. We got like at that point we brought Spider-Man. One year we brought Wolverine. One year we brought She-Hulk. 
it was such a huge deal to get guys in costumes to show up at the store. <laughs> <laughs> and this was a major event too. I remember the the wedding of Spider Man. They they did it at like in New York at like a baseball game, and Stanley married them or something. Like there was like yeah, it was everywhere. Shops were doing like major events. Yeah, for we this had thing. cake, everything. Everyone was dressed up for the <laughs> wedding. You know. And was there a Mary Jane there, or was it just Spider-Man? Just, uh, w- hey, she was busy. <laughs> she was busy at a bridal shower, I'm guessing. But <laughs> okay, so you had this so, so this hired cosplayer. <laughs> yeah, from like that officially from Marvel. Yeah, the official from Spidey. New York or wherever he came in from. Right, he's doing his he's doing his thing around the store, talking to kids, signing autographs while everything else is going on. When he has to take. A spidey break in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> but as you guys know that costume uh leaves little to the imagination so you gotta wear it right and so every <laughs> photo for the entire afternoon it's the like they're all like oh you just look at them and go spidey forgot to shake <laughs> oh no <laughs> and there's like it's that baby blue uh that baby blue 80s spider-man color and there's just this Every photo he's in, there's just this giant dark blue eyes <laughs> <laughs> that you're instantly drawn to. And so every photo we have, and nobody, like, what do you say to the guy? What do you, It's too late now. Oh, but so, man. yeah, he's walking around the store the rest of the day. And it's just like, oh, uh, and, yeah, I've got to show His you this His body sense was tinkling. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it was. Oh, Kieran, this has been amazing. Uh, we got to do this again next time. I'm I'm back in Edmonton. We got we got to do this. Yeah, we're gonna make it an annual thing. I it's, hope. Yeah, this is a real treat having you here. And thanks for everything and all the help on tour. You've just been amazing, just keeping us all together from the drives to hooking up the shows to helping with merch and making things run smoothly. So couldn't have done it without you, dude. It's been awesome, super pleasure. Uh, f- this concludes uh, this uh, first tour edition of Weekend at Bergie's live from Touches in a secret outpost in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, if you uh, are listening and you're in Canada, I'm still we still got more dates. Touch and I are hitting Vancouver, then we're hitting Saskatoon, then I'm flying back to I'm going to Newfoundland, then Halifax, then Montreal, Toronto, London. A lot more dates coming up. Check out wordburglar.com for more info. Check out touch182.com. Check out Han Solo Records. Keep uh, keep supporting Canadian indie hip-hop. Keep supporting comic books. Keep uh, supporting yourself and having fun. And uh, and take care of yourself. going to play uh, another little secret track for you. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Weekend at Bergie's. Peace. Engage. Yeah. These maneuvers leave an ends and confused. Them dudes is gonna need an intervention from Q. I fill a mosh pit with Ferengi. Making all the Ryans go green with envy. Swinging to the captain's chair like I'm Riker. Mighty on the mic and mega android hyper. Get the fanboys diapers. About to jump to warp, drop out. Fire a couple photons. Now report we the lords. Word the will be in, even down and out. We got a route to get even. Subordinates be following the orders from now on. Screaming on your ass, crazy eyes like yeah. our wrong. The traveler yeah. without a destination. Humans can't even pronounce my name, so don't test my patience. My brain at 260 megahertz. The key of C adjusts my frequency so your people can see me. I appear humanoid, but I'm pure fucking energy, dear. You're paranoid. I'm really only here for Wesley. <laughs> 
time and space have the same ending. I can take you places where humans have no business meddling. Like three million light years away for practice. Then send you to the end of the universe by accident. The atoms in my mind have the energy to bend time. That means I can move between planets when I pan around. Guess how we do when you mistake my awesome crew is screwed up. Straight out the blue up in your face like a Vagar maneuver. Move on, you're so quick that for sure your sense of base can fool ya. Straight out the blue up in your face like a Vagar maneuver. You thought you had the drop on us until I moved confused ya. Straight out the blue up in your face like a Vagar maneuver. Yeah, try to front on a stargazer. It's warp five in your face, fire in all phases. Trump's report to the bridge or get an escort to the brig. I have no patience for hating that thought deserves to subsist. In earlier centuries meant to be seeking out new life, but don't twist. And we can still get down with torpedoes and phases. Don't risk it, cause the whole breach sucks. And a blown warp cores, an antimatter explosion in a trip to Stovo core. So don't let your honor fall back for your ego. No war, you wanna fight with us can equal what we face with the board. Just stick to simulations on a holodeck and send your a positronic neural net of data retention to keep up with this dope crew and on my mark warp engines engage now there's two ships no time to do shit a bizarre vet on a star trek i move space to a t and start wrecking your holodeck rewrite your computer to get a leg up call that a riker maneuver from the second my stargazer dropped out of warp you lost brother data without a lore bird of prey without a war cavort clash slot of foes you couldn't barter with mint on card marauder most yo prepare to teleport four borders with all the brown whiskey warm your quarters yeah you better warn every orbiter assimilate so much they call me word borgala guess how we do when you mistake my awesome crew is screwed up straight out the blue up in your face like a car maneuver move on you're so quick that for sure your sense of base can fool you straight out the blue up in your face like a car maneuver you thought you had the drop on us until i moved confused you straight out the blue up in your face like a car maneuver yeah try to front on a stargazer it's warp five in your face fire in all phases and torpedoes